0: We are actually wrapping up a series that we began a few weeks ago called Created to Lead. Now, we looked at this for a number of weeks already and the fact that God created human beings to lead from the very beginning. You see, He created us to manage and He created us in His image. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 is where we read this. It says, God created human beings. In his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God said, Govern and reign. That is leading the world, leading his creation. So you and I, from the beginning of time, human beings, were created to lead. And of course, if you have ever had a two-year-old or a three-year-old, you know that they just want to lead the world. I have a three-year-old, so I know that. They will want to lead the family. They want to lead, everybody should listen to me, and I'm in charge. Now, that leadership, I believe, is in every person because that's how we were created. Obviously, We don't allow a two-year-old, three-year-old to lead everything, but there is that in each of us. So what are you meant to lead? We talked about the fact that obviously we must lead ourselves first, and if you're a Christian, that means leading yourself under the leadership of the Lord Jesus, following what he says and taking steps to move forward. But today, specifically, I want to look at the fact that we are called to lead those around us. You see, last week we talked about leading our families. Today, we're going a little further out, and we're going to talk about leading others around us. Our friends, our communities, and our world. Matthew 9 and verse 36 says this, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus went about doing good, it says in Scripture. He traveled by foot, walking through the communities with his disciples. And as they went through, he told them the good news. The good news of Forgiveness, the good news of broken hearts being healed. You see, at one point he spoke and he read from Isaiah the scripture that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. Everywhere Jesus went, he was bringing light and good news. But as he traveled through the communities, it shares in this portion that he just had compassion overwhelm him as he looked at the people. But his compassion flowed out of something he noticed. People were lost and they needed shepherds or leaders. He looked at his disciples And he said, we need to pray. We need to pray that God will raise up leaders. He says laborers in the harvest field, but he was meaning leaders to lead. They prayed, and then guess what he did? He equipped them and said, go lead. Go heal. Go preach the good news. But he did it out of compassion. Compassion or love, the love of the Lord. If you and I are going to lead other people around us, we first need to have compassion. We need to actually care about them. You see, leading others just as a duty or because someone told you to or because that's your position at work but you hate it is a bad idea. You first need to care about people around you, or why would you lead them? And here's the thing, people will follow your leadership if they know you actually care. Maybe for some of you, you remember back in the day you had a teacher who you just think that teacher was the most amazing teacher. I guarantee you first realized how much they actually cared about you, even though you weren't perfect, And everything they said, you just wanted to do. Why? They first cared. When you care, people want to follow. Whatever it is that you're going to be leading, you need to care. And do they know you care? You see, leading out of frustration or anger is a bad way to lead. That's what dictators do. You know, nobody follows a dictator because they want to. Did you know that? People follow a dictator because they're forced to. And if they don't, it could be really bad. So you want to first care about people. And here's the thing, you can't fake that. You can't fake that you care about other people. You can't, well, the pastor said i supposed to, do so I'm going to walk up to people. I really love you, but actually you're like, oh, man, this is an annoying person. <laughs> no, no, you can't fake it. And it comes from the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Lord wants to fill us, and he wants to cause us to make a difference in other people's lives. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, listen to this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. In our world today, and I would say in the sin nature of mankind, the rule, the pattern is complete selfishness. It's all about me. And maybe you've had the unfortunate opportunity of being under a leader or a boss who was selfish and mean. I guarantee it wasn't a good experience, and I guarantee you didn't stay because you had to, but because you needed a check to pay the bills. Nobody wants to be under a mean, selfish leader. Nobody. So don't ever be that kind of leader. And learn to love people. We don't love people because of what they do for us. We don't love people because of what we can gain from them. We love people because the love of the Lord gives us compassion to see their need, to see their situation, to see where they need to go. When you go through Walmart, do you see people? Do you feel their need? You're leading wherever God's put you. When people know you care, they want to be where you are. So let's be honest with ourselves. Do we really care? And if not, if we're struggling in that area, it's pretty easy to fix. Go to the Lord and ask Him. Lord, help me to love others the way you do. Let your love be in me for them. And when you ask that and you mean it, He'll give it to you. And let me say it again. If the greatest love you have is for yourself and your well-being and your stuff, get prayer. Because God wants you to be outward focused. That is the whole message of us going to the lost. We take the focus off our personal needs and give it to others. I'm going to pray right now for that love just because we're not going to do it at the end. Because maybe someone's honestly thinking, you know, I don't know if I love too much after all. I I sometimes don't feel like it. It's good to be honest with yourself. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray in a minute about that, a good test of do I love people. Am I the kind of guy who is joyful and cares about people? This is a test that you can kind of know. Take a look at all your closest friends. If they're all grouchy and miserable, that may be a reflection of what you are. Nobody's looking around now. They're like, oh, Lord. My friends are awesome. I'm just trying to minister to them. Okay, but if all of them are like that, there's a good chance they're gathering because you're similar in how you do it. Okay? One or two of those in your friend group that you're helping out is different than everybody. You know, we all complain the same. We all look out for number one. Hey, so check that out, all right? And if that's the case, be honest and ask God to, hey, Lord, give me more love for people. You're leading people. You're leading people by your action, by your attitude. Let me pray right now if we're struggling a little bit with loving people. Lord, I pray right now that you would fill us with your love. Lord, we're being honest and open. There may be moments where we just don't like people. Lord, forgive us and fill us with your love. Give us such a passion, such a burning, that we'll lay aside some of our selfish ambitions, and we will reach out because we love them like you love them. Amen. All right, it's not over yet. That was just the middle of the preaching message prayer. Some of you are like, yes, let's go. Okay, hang on. We got a few more minutes here. Okay. If we want to lead others begins there with the love. I believe that we are called to lead others in a couple of big ways. And the first that I would say, we are called to lead all those around us to live better or to live abundantly. We are given some wisdom and understanding from God, and we should use it for anybody who's willing, okay? Sometimes, you know, we get the mindset, well, it's just for us and our group. No, what God's given you, you can lead anybody with. Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, it says, The generous soul shall be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. This is Solomon in the Proverbs giving out wisdom to whoever would want it or would read it. And he gives out quite a bit in a few short verses. The idea of being generous uh, causes more wealth to come in. The idea of watering and being watered. But he also talks about the one who seeks good finds favor. But trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He's giving wisdom that will benefit someone's life and make it better. An interesting verse at the end, we're not doing a message about it, but seeking good, looking for good, brings favor. Looking for evil, well, it comes back. I want to encourage you today, church. Look for the good. Look for what God's doing and fill yourself with it. Because if you choose to look for what's going wrong continually, you will literally fill yourself with darkness and evil. And we live in a world where at your fingertips, you can go find every horrible thing that's happening in the world and be consumed with it. But the problem is, what then are you going to give out when you meet people? You and I are called to give out good news. The gospel, that means good news. Did you know that? Good news. When you come to church here, we're going to give out good news. Jesus still heals. Jesus still saves. Jesus still sets free. Jesus is still on the throne. What are we filling ourselves up with? I've met people when you have a conversation with them, you think you're talking to a news anchor. They're like, oh, they got every horrible thing that's happening. Did you know Jesus lived in a horrible world at his time frame? They were, The Jews were oppressed by the Romans continually. Did you know that on a regular basis there were people being crucified along the road? Jesus never started his message with a list of all who had been crucified and let's pray for them first. A list of all who had been uh, hurt by the Romans and businesses wrecked, and then let's pray for that first, and then I'll give you some good news. He stuck to the good news. Man, it got quiet in here. I believe in prayer, but I also believe that we need to be filled to overflowing with good news. And I pray often. We have a prayer meeting that happens on Saturday, and sometimes there's some heavy things we got to pray about. Saturday at 6 o'clock, we pray for heavy things all through the week. Some life group, somebody's going through something heavy, you better pray for it. My Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he's in the midst. He said, if any two of you on earth will agree as touching anything in my name, it will be done. You find one other person to agree with you if you're going through something and you believe it will be done. Leading those around us. Did you know Solomon didn't just give his wisdom to Israel? He gave it to many others. As a matter of fact, there's a, the nations around him heard about the wisdom and the blessing that he was bringing to Israel. Solomon caused Israel to be more wealthy than it had ever been ever in its history and ever would be. Because of his wisdom. But not only that, Solomon brought peace to Israel. He didn't do battles like his father did. He brought peace between the nations around him because of wisdom. He brought light, and people heard about it. See, you and I are called to be light. We are called to be a city set on a hill according to Scripture. A city that's lit up on a hill can't be hid. And people want to go check it out. People want to check out what you have when you're full of light. Not when you're just as depressed and not when you're full of the darkness that's going on. Are you full of light? I pray and I believe that you are. Listen to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. It says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. That's wisdom. When the Queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his table, the organization of his officials, their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes, and the burnt offering Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. What did she see when she came? God's blessing, God's prosperity, God's peace. And a people that were happy. And she was blown away. Are people blown away by what you and I have? Have they heard about it because it's unusual? It's unheard of. Have they heard that person is so joyful? Even though they've been through things. That person has a smile that lights up the taxi or the room. Have they heard? Because if they've heard, they're going to come see you. They're going to talk to you at work. Don't hold back the light at work. There's no policies at your workplace that say you can't talk about what you believe. If there is, find a different place to work. But I'm pretty sure there is none here in Alberta. If it's in you, it's the light of what you have. Share it. Be bold. Turn on the light. I see a picture like a big flashlight. You got a light, but you're like, yeah, I'm not turning it on here. as These guys will make fun of me. Hey, if it's dark, you better turn it on. If it's getting dark, you turn it on in that conversation. Go ahead. People will look at you and go, hey, you're different. How come? You see, church, when we lead our communities, because I believe we're supposed to lead where we work, we're supposed to lead in our communities, when we do, we actually bring blessing to them. You bring blessing where you work, guaranteed, if you're a believer. Proverbs 11, verse 10 says, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there's jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. That's you and I. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but he's overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Let's use our mouths to bring light. Let's use our mouths to bring good. Proverbs 29, verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. God has created you and I to be leaders, and as Christians, he actually wants us in positions of leadership or authority. He did not call us to just hide out until he returns. I've read it in the book. You're not called to spend your life just hiding out, making sure it's all good for you, that you make it to heaven. You are called to reach out and to lead. It is easy to complain about politicians while you're sitting doing nothing leading. But I want to encourage you. <laughs> then where can you lead? Is it just a community group? Is it a volunteer parents thing? What is it? Don't just complain. Lead with what you've been given, and who knows where God will take that. So lead. Lead in your community. You know, for many years in the Pentecostal church, because we're Pentecostal church, a number of years back, well, really, I guess, Every time there is a big crisis, as a Pentecostal, it's like, this must be the time Jesus is returning. And he is returning, by the way. And yes, it could be today. So, Paul said it's soon, 2,000 years ago. Why? The whole purpose of that message is that you live like tomorrow could be your last day. Think about it for a minute when we're talking about leading, if God told you this morning, you have one more week, how would you live? How would you live if you knew you had one more week? He just told you clearly, you got one more week. You know, you go ahead, do whatever you want. Some of you be like, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> but for sure... As a believer, you would want to see as many people in your family as you could become saved so that they could join you in heaven, wouldn't you? Guaranteed in your family. If there were some that weren't, I mean, you'd be begging them. You'd put them in a headlock to take them to church if necessary. Like You'd be like, I am not leaving here without you first accepting. You would do it with passion because you only got one more week. You wouldn't be like, well, whatever, they want to do that. Yeah. God will save them someday. You would go after them. Is that true? Okay, what about your community? The people you work with? You begin to care about the people you work with. Would you not want them as well to know about him? I believe you would. So that message, church, he's coming soon is true. Did you know for some, they may breathe their last breath and end up in his kingdom tomorrow? It's soon, no matter what. It was said 2,000 years ago, you and I have about 70 to 85 years to live here. That's soon. Some of us are 30, 40, 50. You're already on a countdown. 30 years, 20 years, 40 years. It's soon. So live like it matters. Live like you care. Don't get drawn into the numbness of day after day after day after day and suddenly it's gone. I'm just feeling this as I preach. Some of you need a journal, something you can write on, a notebook, a notepad. And you need to daily write something you want to accomplish that day besides your work and paying the bills. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Somebody needs to hear this. You write in the journal in the morning what you want, one thing you want to accomplish that day, and you do it. God wants to get you out of that cycle of you just live to pay the bills. Don't quit your jobs. That is not what I'm saying. You do have to pay bills, but you don't have to live not accomplishing anything for Him. Okay? You and I, of course, we've already got into it a bit. We want to lead others in wisdom and to make their lives better. Most importantly, we want to lead people. To follow Jesus. But why do we want to do that? Do we understand and care about them? Matthew 28, 19 is a great commission for every Christian. It says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hey, we're supposed to reach out and tell others about what we have, not as a duty. Not because your pastor said, you know, if you tried to tell others about Christ as a duty, it usually doesn't work. It sounds like you memorized something. and You sound like a salesman that doesn't really believe. The way you see others come is, first of all, you actually believe what you have is worth giving to others. If you don't actually believe what you have is worth giving, you're never going to give it. Now, I believe all of you believe that? The second thing, do you actually believe that Jesus is the answer for the world? You see, Jesus is the answer for your worst enemy. Jesus is the answer for the most annoying boss in the world. Nobody has that boss, so I'm just throwing that out there. Jesus is the answer. If you believe it, you will take action to help them find an answer. You know how you See the most horrible co-worker change? You care about them. You pray for them. And when opportunity comes, you lead them to Christ. That's how you get a different co-worker. Uh-huh. Somebody need to hear that. Ask God to help you care. Begin to pray for them. Look for opportunities. It's going to be good. Woo, that is good. I see somebody getting a new co-worker, but it's the same guy but different. And I did see it's a guy. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Listen to this. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. All things All these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. Talking about believers. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself. No longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are told to give out just as if Christ were speaking. When I read this, I was surprised. Paul was saying, we are begging you to receive him. We are pleading with you. Do we beg and plead with people? Do we really care? Do we find a way? It's what we're asked to do. Even as if Christ was there pleading with them. Christ wasn't a mean leader. Christ was a leader of love. And he wanted people to come. Do we believe without a doubt that the mercy and love and forgiveness of the Lord that we have experienced is worth giving to others? There was a woman in Jesus' day who came out to draw water at a well, and Jesus happened to be sitting there. He and his followers had come to this town of Samaria, and Jesus stayed at the well, and he sent his Disciples ahead. And as the women came to draw water, Jesus, who was a Jew, asked her, a Samaritan, please give me water. I'm thirsty. And she said, why are you a Jewish man asking me for water? That's not okay. It's not politically correct at all. And Jesus said, if you knew who it was that was asking, you'd ask me for water, and I'd give you living water. At first, she was confused. You don't have anything to draw water with? And then she realized he's not talking about actual water. When Jesus sees that she's catching on and that this is going to be a conversation to see someone follow him, he tells her, Go get your husband and come back. You see, if he was going to have a long, intimate conversation, he wanted her husband to be with her. And she said to him, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't. You've had five husbands, and the sixth man you're with is not your husband. And she was blown away. Because, you see, she realized, he is talking to me and calling me, saying he wants to give me water. In other words, she is being called by Christ into his purpose, and she is the worst person in her community in her mind. You see, she was drawing water at the wrong time of day so that she didn't have to connect or meet with anybody because the people, the other women in that community despised her. We don't want her around. Who's who's she going to go after next? Jesus showed love and he called her. I want to say this as we wrap up today. I don't know who you are or where you've been, Or how bad you think you have messed up? Jesus has his hand reached out. And he's saying, I want you. There is nobody too far gone. He says, I want you. And I want to fill you with what I have so you can give it to others. This woman believed instantly. The same woman who was avoiding her community because of shame and embarrassment, took off from that well and went into her community, through the streets saying, you got to come to the well. There's a guy over there. He's the Messiah for sure. They didn't even care about this woman. And here she is being an evangelist for Jesus. And you know what? They listened. Some of the people we think are the worst of the worst God can use even more than us if he gets a hold of their heart. You see, their struggles and their issues, they may be bigger than yours, but they're not really that much different. It's called a sin issue. I want you to think right now about the most far-gone, worst person you can think of. God wants them. Maybe there's someone in your family, and you're like, they're in jail right now. They're, They're a lost cause. God wants them. You see, those passionate, confused people, when God gets a hold of them, they can be the most passionate for Him. Believe for it. And maybe you're here today, no matter who you are, when we talk about leadership, when we talk about making decisions for our life, the greatest decision you can make is to follow Jesus. And it's simple. Following Jesus is not difficult. It's as simple as simple can be. Jesus called out to them and just said, follow me. His disciples went out and said, follow him. And if you want to, it's this easy. Say it with your mouth and believe it in your heart and you'll be saved. It doesn't get any simpler than that. You see, he came and he died on that cross To forgive our sins, and as the scripture said that I read you, to bring us into relationship with the Father again. There's only one way to do that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. And we come to him through a simple prayer. You see, we do that here today. We're going to do this with you. We're going to say a prayer that you can repeat. The prayer has no power. We're simply allowing people to use their mouth to say what they're feeling in their heart right now. Feeling in their heart. Yeah, I want Jesus. Maybe you don't understand it all. That's okay. If you want him to come forgive you, you use your mouth and he'll work on the rest. Well, I'm not good enough. Perfect. Nobody's good enough. We're going to pray that right now. I'm going to ask all of you to repeat it after me for the one or two today because we're not trying to single anybody out or embarrass anybody. This is an important moment. Young people, older people, this is an important moment. I want you to bow and pray this with me. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all I've done wrong. Make me new. Use my life. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise for that.